Good evening. I'd like to welcome you guys all back out to our evening service. And as you can see, there's a handout coming around. And, um, but as the handouts are coming around, just a, kind of a forward um, on what we're going to be looking at uh, this evening. This morning, we looked at, in the morning service, we looked at the life of Samuel. More so, uh, his younger life. Um, looking at the first time in which the word of the Lord was revealed to him. And this evening, I want to take a, more of a look at his later life, or maybe more so his, um, the middle of his life, and look specifically at uh, his role as a judge. We saw specifically this morning Samuel as a prophet, and I want to look at uh, and kind of develop and see how Samuel was a judge. And I, this was kind of prompted... Um, senior high Sunday school uh, with me this quarter is going through the book of Judges and we see Samuel, he is a judge, but he's not in the book of Judges, so I thought we'd take a look at him this evening. I believe the handouts are around, so you can see from the top, Samuel the judge. And we can see uh, from the top, it says Samuel is a unique character within the Bible. And as I said, this morning we looked at his younger years, and we see throughout the scriptures often when, we're, um, when we look at the story of someone's life, usually we kind of get a glimpse at maybe their younger years or their later years. But Samuel's unique in the sense that we get to see uh, his development over the years. We get to see him as a young boy, even before he was born he's talked about, and then we see him um, kind of growing and his later uh, ministry to the Lord. He's also unique in that um, it's very interesting that he is born within the time of the judges. Uh, and this is the time uh, in the nation of Israel in which the judges ruled or the judges uh, delivered. And we see that he is born into um, maybe what we'd say is the rule of the judge, Eli, as we can see in Judges 4.18. And then lastly, we see uh, Samuel is a unique character in that he acts in many different roles. As I mentioned this morning, we looked at him as a prophet, and this evening we're going to look at him as a judge. So the key verse, it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 15 through 17. It says, Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there, and there also he judged Israel, and he built there an altar to the Lord. So the question I want to look at this evening is what does Samuel's role as a judge look, at, look like? And to look at this fully, we're going to look at what we'd say is three points. The first is we're going to look at the similarities that we can see between Samuel and the other judges mentioned within the Bible, and specifically from the book of Judges. Secondly, we're going to look at the account of Samuel's judging that can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 7. And then lastly, I want to look at the differences that we can see between Samuel the judge and the other judges within the Bible. So let's start off with this first section, the similarities between Samuel and the other judges within the Bible. Letter A. The author of the book of Judges sets forth a cycle in which shows the sin of the people of Israel and shows the grace of God all throughout the book of Judges. And let her be this cycle that can be found within the book of Judges can also be seen to surround the judging of Samuel. So what I mean by that is if we took a look at the book of Judges, we can see right from the, the onset, especially in chapter 2, we're given this cycle. 
All right, and we're given, I like to call it the cycle of Israel's sin and God's grace. We see Israel sins, and then God responds, um, usually by delivering them over to an enemy. The Israelites cry out, and then the Lord shows them grace by delivering them. So that cycle is shown time and time again within the judges' lives, and I submit to you that we can see that even within Samuel's life. So number one, Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Letter A, the Israelites in the time of the judges did evil in the sight of the Lord. Judges 2, 11 through 13. And the, peop and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. And then we see in Samuel, letter B, the Israelites in the time of Samuel did evil in the sight of the Lord. As we can see from 1 Samuel 7, 3 through 4, it says, And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away your foreign gods and the Ashtoreth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreth, and they served the Lord only. And then another passage, 1 Samuel 3, 11 through 14. We looked at this this morning. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So simply we see from this first point, within the judges, we see that they were in this cycle of sin. All right? They were worshiping other gods, and then we see the same thing is going on in Samuel's time. In that we see from the first passage that they're serving these same gods, the Baals and the Ashtoreth. And then secondly, we see even the spiritual leaders, specifically Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, were sinning while they served in the tabernacle. So we see in both this state of sin. Number two, the Lord was angered and gave the people of Israel into the hands of their enemy. Letter A, the Lord in the time of the judges was angered and gave the people over to other nations. Judges 2, 14 through 15. It says, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies, so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them. Letter B, the Lord in the time of, the Lord in the time of Samuel was angered and gave the people over to be defeated by the Philistines. 1 Samuel 4, 10 through 11, it says, So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled every man to his home. And there was a very great slaughter, for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell, and the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. And in that passage that I read uh, under letter B, and even as we looked at this morning, we saw that the Lord had told Samuel in his message about Eli's house that every ear would tingle that hears this message. And I submitted to you that this morning, uh, or this morning I submitted to you that this was speaking about this event. 
that the Ark of God would be captured and both Eli and his sons would be um, killed or they would die. Number three, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. Letter A, the Israelites in the time of the judges cried out to the Lord. Judges 2.15, it says, and they were in terrible distress. And more specific. More specifically, an example is from Judges 3.15. It says, Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and the Lord raised up for them a deliverer, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. The people of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. And then from Samuel's time, letter B, the Israelites in the time of Samuel cried out to the Lord. 1 Samuel 7.2 From the day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath-Jerim, a long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house lamented after the Lord. So again, we're seeing this um, contrast, and I'll go on in a moment, but now we've seen that both in the time of the judges and both in Samuel's life that we see this sin, we see God's anger, and he gives uh, the people of Israel over to other nations, and now we see Israel responds, both in the time of the judges and with Samuel, in this crying out to the Lord. Number four, the Lord raises up and delivers through a judge. Letter A, the Lord in the time of the judges raised up and delivered through judges. Judges 2, 16 through 18. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges... For them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. So we see in the book of Judges 12 accounts in which uh, God sends a judge. And we see um, people like Othniel, like Ehud. And I could go on and on, but we we are shown these deliverers or these judges that are raised up by the Lord. And we see God... And letter B, God does the same with Samuel. God raises up Samuel as a judge. And I don't have these uh, passages listed out for you, but more of a summary. In number one, 1 Samuel 1, we see Samuel is raised in that Samuel's mother gives birth to Samuel by the power of God after being barren. Number two, from 1 Samuel 2, we see Samuel grows and serves within the tabernacle. And number three, 1 Samuel 3, the Lord calls Samuel. So we see the Lord's doing the same type of work in which he did with the judges, in that he's raising up Samuel in these earlier years uh, of his life. And then number four, just uh, more of showing a similarity within their lives that I thought was interesting, is that we see uh, Samuel actually relates quite well to uh, the person of Samson, who was a judge from Judges 13 through 16. Um, Certainly in their character they were not the same, but we see some of um, the same um, characteristics about their life Um, in the events that went on are similar. Letter A, they both had barren mothers. B, they were under a Nazarite vow from birth, no drinking, no contact with the dead, no shaving their hair. C, the Philistines were the enemy at the time. D, their fathers, as recorded, is uh, taking a backseat role. And E, we see the Lord is certainly blessing them in their younger years. And then five, the Lord delivered. Letter A, the Lord delivered in the time of the judges. And I'll just read um, the underlined passage, Judges 2, and we'll read verse 18. It says, Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their, their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. 
So we see this time and time again in which the Lord continuously delivered in the time of the judges. And I listed several examples uh, because these examples are pretty neat within the book of Judges. And I'll just read these all for us. The first one's from Judges 3.10. It says, The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Cushan Rishathaim. So we see the Lord gave him into his hand. Judges 4.15 and the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. See Judges 7.22. It says, When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Beth Shida toward Zerah, as far as the border of Abel Meholah by Tabith. And then Judges 11.32. So Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord gave them into his hand. So we see certainly in the time of the Judges, the Lord delivered, and then we see the same thing with Samuel. As it says in letter B, the Lord gave the people rest after his defeat of the Philistines in the time of Samuel. 1 Samuel 7, and we'll just read uh, verses 13 through 14, the underlined portion. It says, So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. So we can see, even though Samuel was not found within the book of Judges, we can see there is many similarities with, uh, between him and the judges found within the book of Judges. As we can see this cycle, even though it's not necessarily put, it, put out like the book of Judges, we can see the same kind of events are going on within Samuel's life and surrounding his life. So look at Roman numeral number two, and now we'll kind of slow down just a little bit to kind of look at Samuel's particular judging. So we can see from Roman numeral number two, the account of Samuel's judging Israel from 1 Samuel 7. And just to set up the context for you a little bit as we move into this chapter, this morning we looked at 1 Samuel 3, looking at the word of the Lord being revealed to Samuel. These chapters in between 1 Samuel chapter 3 and 1 Samuel 7, we see a very interesting um, maybe defeat of the Israelites in that the Ark of the Lord or the Ark of the Covenant is captured by the Philistines. And we're certainly not going to have time to be able to read these three chapters. They're very interesting in that the Ark of the Lord is captured and we see that the Philistines bounce the Ark of the Covenant around from city to city because the Lord is sending plagues on the Philistines. Um, different things like tumors coming about. We see that God um, causes their idol Dagon to fall down before the Ark of the Covenant just once, and then the second time they lift him back up, Dagon falls down, and God had cut off his head and his hands. So we see God's working very interesting things within the Philistines' nation. So the Philistines decide, we need to get rid of this Ark of the Covenant, so they send it back uh, to Israel. And that leads us to 1 Samuel chapter 7, in which we see Samuel comes back on the scene, and we see more of a, um, an account of his later life. All right, Samuel's grown up, and we see it's been at least 20 years after this event of the Lord revealing himself to him. So we'll look at letter A. 
Letter A, the ark is returned, but Israel is still under the hand of the Philistines. 1 Samuel 7, verses 1 through 2. Number one, the ark of the Lord is returned to the Israelites from being in the hand of the Philistines. 1 Samuel 7, 1, and the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill. And they consecrated his son Eleazar to have charge of the ark of the Lord. And then number two, the Israel cried out to the Lord for 20 years. It says in 1 Samuel 7, 2, from the day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath-Jerim, a long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of the Lord, or all the house of Israel, lamented after the Lord. So a question to think about is, what is this lamenting? All right, what does this mean that the Israelites were wailing to the Lord or crying out to the Lord? Is it that they're mourning the loss that they had against the Philistines, that they were still under the hand of the Philistines? Is it that the people of Israel are seeking the Lord's help, so they're crying out to him, they're lamenting to him? Or is it that the people of Israel are repenting? Well, we're going to see verse 3 gives us a twofold answer. Look with me at letter B. Samuel judges at Mizpah. 1 Samuel 7, 3 through 6. Number 1. Samuel calls the people to repent. In 1 Samuel 7, 3, it says, And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the ashtoreth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord, and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So answering the question of what this lamenting was, we can see a twofold reason why. We can see that they were certainly repenting of their ways, and also they were seeking deliverance from the Philistines. And we see Samuel gives them guidance and direction to their change of heart. As we can see in letter A, Samuel is challenging them, if you are genuine, if you are sincerely seeking to serve the Lord, then do these three things. First, Stop worshiping your idol. Idols. 1 Samuel 7, 3. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the ashtoreth from among you. Second thing they needed to do is commit yourself to the Lord in his commandments. 1 Samuel 7, 3. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the ashtoreth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord. And the third thing Samuel commanded them to do in this turning to the Lord is that they were to, were to only serve the Lord. 1 Samuel 7, 3. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the ashtoreth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. So we need to realize or we can see from uh, the chapters before, but more so from other books of the Bible before, that this wasn't the first time that Israel was going through this type of thing. Samuel's calling them to repentance, but we could see, with, see this with the person of Moses, maybe more specifically with Joshua. Joshua commands them to serve the Lord, serve him only, and we see certainly Israel did not obey that. So we have to wonder, is or are the Israelites sincere and genuine in this time? Letter B, deliverance and repentance go hand in hand. And I'll just read the underlying portion of 1 Samuel 7, 3. Simply Samuel's saying, if you do all these things, he says, and he will deliver you, speaking of God, and he will deliver you out of the hand 
of the Philistines. So we can see that Samuel's saying the Israelites' ultimate problem, it may have seemed, seen, or seemed like it was the Philistines ruling over them, oppressing them, but Samuel's calling them and saying to them, it was your sin. Your sin was the ultimate problem. That's why the Ark of the Covenant was captured. That is why this defeat uh, came. Number two, we see Israel repents. 1 Samuel 7, 4. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreth, and they served the Lord only. So we see Israel seems to be following the spiritual leadership that Samuel sets forth. They do what he says. Number three, Samuel prays to the Lord for the Israelites' spiritual state. 1 Samuel 7, 5 through 6, it says, Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and pour, poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. So letter A, Samuel instructs Israel to gather at Mizpah, and he will intercede for them to God. 1 Samuel 7, 5. Then Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So we see Israel certainly obeys and shows the repentance in three visible ways. The first is that Israel drew water and poured it out before the Lord. 1 Samuel 7, 6. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. So we can see from letter A that this was a symbolic, temporal, and spiritual confession before God of the distress and the recognition of their sins. And we can see this further from Lamentations 2.19. It says, Arise, cry out, to the, cry out in the night at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of every street. So we can see that this pouring out the water, they drew water and they poured it out, was to be a visible sign of the inner distress that they had because of their sin. They realized how bad they messed up. They realized how awful their sin was. So they're trying to show the Lord that they were realizing that. They were recognizing it. Number two, Israel fasted. 1 Samuel 7, 6, it says, So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day. Letter A, this, was, this means that they were denying themselves food. And it's another symbolic act giving further recognition of the inner distress of their sin. And even further, further they were bringing themselves even more humbly before God. And we see thirdly, they show the repentance by Israel verbally, verbally confessing their sin to the Lord. 1 Samuel 7, 6. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. So twice Israel, they symbolically confessed their sin. But we, now we see that they wrap it up by doing so with their words. They confess to the Lord their sin. So Israel certainly seems like they are really showing a change of heart. Through the spiritual guidance and the leadership of Samuel. We see this was the real problem back in verses 1 through 2. Not that the ark had been captured, but that Israel was continue, continuing a sinful life. Number four. Then we are given the summary statement that Samuel judged Israel at Mizpah. 1 Samuel 7, 6. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. 
So seeing this kind of first account, the first couple verses of 1 Samuel 7, we can get a pretty good picture of what Samuel's judging looked like. First, we see Samuel was recognized as the leader of Israel. Israel was willing to listen to him. Second, we see Samuel was the spiritual leader of Israel. We see he's leading and directing them in spiritual ways. Three, Samuel challenges Israel to repent. And four, Samuel intercedes for Israel and prays to the Lord. So these four things, I think, characterize the judgeship or the judging of Samuel. And B, the remaining verses give us an even fuller picture of Samuel's judging. So look with me at letter C. Letter C says the Philistine attack, 1 Samuel 7 through 11. It says the Philistines prepared to attack 1 Samuel 7, 7. It reads, now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So in this account, it looks as if uh, the Philistines take an opportunity, seeing Israel as having a spiritual reform. I don't know if they really understand what's going on, but they see Israel gathers in a large group. They may think possibly they're um, getting together to war against the Philistines, or they may just see them getting together and thinking this is a great opportunity to knock out a bunch of the Israelites. So we see the Philistines, they make a move to attack. Number two, the people of Israel look to Samuel to cry out to the Lord for them. 1 Samuel 7, 8. It reads, And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that, we may save, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So this reminds us of the many times we saw within the book of Judges of the crying out, the lamenting of the Israelites. And we see this especially in verse 2. We see they take the right approach in looking to the Lord. They look to Samuel to pray to the Lord for them. We see this even more clearly in number 3. Samuel does so by preparing a sacrifice and praying to the Lord. Verse Samuel 7, 9. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. So we see the sacrifice was given for the sins to bring the people back into relationship with God. We see Samuel realizes that this truly is a heart issue. This is a spiritual issue as he offers a sacrifice for the sins of the people to the Lord. And we see the Lord answered him, we see how the Lord answers in verse 10, verses 10 through 11. Number four, the Lord answers Samuel's cry by defeating the Philistines. First Samuel 10 through 11. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth Car. So picture this scene. All right, if I can summarize what's going on here. This scene. Samuel is preparing and offering the sacrifice. Israel's standing around him in distress, and they're relying upon him to cry out to the Lord for them. So that's, what's, that's what Israel's doing. And we see the Philistines, they make a move. They make a move towards the Israelites. But remember, Samuel is solely relying upon the Lord. The Israelites have turned from their wicked ways and their idolatry and have committed themselves to serving the Lord. So we see that God does not stay quiet. 
We see he booms with thunder as a storm comes across the sky. The sound of thunder causes the Philistines to be confused and panic. Their original plans and their strategy were disrupted by this thundering sound from God. At that time, with the Philistines confused and in commotion, we see the men of Israel take that opportunity to attack them. Letter D, Samuel responds by giving the credit to the Lord. As we can see in 1 Samuel 7:12, it says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So interestingly enough, the place in which we see uh, the ark had been captured was also called Ebenezer, back in chapter 4. And here we see Samuel sets up a stone to bring remembrance to the victory of the Lord um, through the repentance of Israel, and this place is also called Ebenezer. So this could be the same place or just a place that is in remembrance of the Lord's working. And we see Samuel's statement is significant in that he is giving the credit, he's giving the honor and the glory to God for the deliverance. He says, or he names this, till now the Lord has helped us. Letter E, the Lord brought deliverance for Israel from the Philistines. 1 Samuel 7, 13 through 14, it says, So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath. And Israel was delivered their, delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. So we see the Lord was against the Philistines. He brought Israel rest from war with them. In letter F, Samuel's judging. 1 Samuel 7, 15 through 17, it says, Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah. And he judged Israel in all these places. Then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there. And there also he judged Israel. And he built there an altar to the Lord. So we see that in all of this, in all of his life, Samuel led Israel spiritually, as we saw in the example of Mizpah. This, was brought, this brought stability to Israel militarily as God delivered them and brought them peace between Israel and the Philistines and the surrounding nations due to their continued living according to his ways. And then looking at Roman numeral number three. So we've seen the similarities between Samuel and the judges. We've seen Samuel himself as a judge. Now let's see what the differences are and kind of trying to figure out what Samuel's judgeship really looked like. What did this role of the judge in Samuel's life look like? Letter A. We first see a difference in bet between the role of the judge. First, within the book of Judges, the judges were more military leaders or deliverers leading the army into battle or striking down the enemy nations. God uses them to deliver in the sense of fighting in battle. Two examples, the first is Ehud. We see he delivers the people of Israel from the hand of Moab. And we see Gideon, he delivers Israel from the hand of the Midianites. So we see the judges within the book of Judges, their primary role of leading is in a military fashion. But number two, we see with Samuel, as judge, we see he was more of a spiritual leader or deliverer, leading the people to spiritual reform or reformation by repenting and serving the Lord. God uses Samuel to deliver in a spiritual sense. So Samuel's on 
kind of the battle scene, but he's not doing any of the fighting. He's not leading them in a military way. We see it's more in a spiritual way. And we get, so interestingly, we get hints of this within the book of Judges as well, but never to the extent that we see with Samuel. So number one, for example, Gideon is called to destroy the idol in his town. He does so, but then at the end of his life, he makes an ephod, which leads the people into idolatry. So Gideon, he kind of starts well. God calls him to do this, but he really never finishes it. And number two, we see with Deborah within the book of Judges, she's probably the closest example we get to a Samuel. As we see, she has a prophetic role, and she hears the crying out of the people of Israel. But looking at all the judges, Samuel has probably the highest uh, leadership in uh, more of a spiritual leadership or a spiritual deliverer. B, another difference, or a second difference we see, it's in respects to morality. Number one, the judges within the book of Judges are plagued with sin. As we already mentioned, Gideon led the people back into idolatry. Also, he had a lack of faith, continually testing God, and he was prideful. Barak, he was a coward and did not trust God. And Samson, he could have cared less about the people of Israel, and he could have cared less about God's plan in his life. But thinking about Samuel, we see a difference in that he's characterized as an upright man. He's seen as a spiritual example for the people of Israel, and also we see his growth in the Lord is recorded continually. So now certainly we have to realize these are things that are, are recorded about their lives, but we can see Samuel is presented more as an upright, uh, God-honoring man, while the judges, many of them, we see sin after sin after sin within their lives. And C, a third difference. Samuel's judging is different in where it falls within the history of Israel. Number one, Samuel and his sons are the last judges. We see there's no judges after Samuel and his sons. And number two gives us the reason why. Samuel's life falls in between the time of the judges and the time of the kings of Israel, as he anoints both Saul and David. The time of the judges ends with Samuel, and in his lifetime begins the time of the kings of Israel, as we, as we see in the beginning uh, of 1 Samuel chapter 8. So we see these differences between the judges in the book of Judges and also with Samuel as a judge. So application, and then in closing, we have seen Samuel's role as a judge, his role of leading the people of Israel spiritually. So what can we learn from this? Letter A, God sometimes works in similar ways to call and work in his people to serve. And B, God sometimes works in different ways to call and work his people to serve him. So we see in the comparison and in the contrast of Samuel and the other judges, we get this point that God, in raising up individuals, uh, maybe their call um, when he first saved them, or maybe their call into ministry, we can see sometimes he works in very similar ways. All right? we, sometimes we have different roles within the church. Different roles, maybe just out in the world, that are similar. God maybe raised us up in the same ways. But I, I think often, if you look around the people, other believers that you know, we see that if we compare testimonies, God didn't save us the same way. He didn't call us into ministry the same way. He maybe used different people. He used different events to call us uh, in different ways. So we can see that as a point from Samuel's life as a judge. C, Samuel focused on the spiritual side of things. He addressed, the, he addressed Israel's heart issue. Is there sin you need to turn from within your own life? 
like the Israelites did. So we see Samuel, he really took the approach, and we see in his leadership, he focuses on the spiritual side of things, the heart issue, to ultimately bring a solution to their problem. D, Samuel came alongside and led the people to turn from their sin. Think about how we might do that within other believers' lives when they share a specific struggle they have. All right, so we see Samuel, he was an amazing leader for the people of Israel. He came alongside many of them, directed them to repentance and to turn to the Lord. And I think we can do the same thing with believers within our lives. Friends that we have that know the Lord. And lastly, letter E. The Lord delivers and is at work within the story of Samuel. May Samuel's story remind us of how God is at work in amazing ways within our lives. He is sovereign over all things, ultimately being the one who brings the deliverance and ultimately the one who is working within everything we go through. May we acknowledge God's rule within our lives and how he is at work and give him the credit for the help he brings to us as Samuel did. So as we close looking at the life of Samuel, we see how God worked with him in both similar ways and different ways to the other judges. And we see what an amazing thing that it was that he chooses to work within people. All right, We see that very well within Samuel's life. We looked more so at uh, his prophetic role this morning. We look at his judge role. But it's amazing to think about how God chooses to use his people. He, uses, he chooses to use us to fulfill his purposes. Let us close in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to study your word. Lord, I thank you for the scriptures and, Lord, for all the things that we can read within them. Lord, I thank you for the many stories that we see. And, Lord, as we looked at uh, this morning and this evening, the life of Samuel. Lord, it's an amazing account of a man who uh, sought to be faithful. And, Lord, you certainly were faithful to him. God, I just thank you as we looked at his role as a judge. Lord, it's amazing to see how you used him to lead your people uh, spiritually, to turn away from uh, their sin, uh, turn away from worshiping other gods and um, the ways and the desires that they had. Lord, I thank you for using Samuel within their lives to turn them around. Lord, I just pray that you would um, use us within the lives of other believers. Uh, Lord, to instruct them, to guide them in your word. Lord, I just pray that as we go forth throughout our weeks, pray that we'd be reminded of this story. Be reminded of the life of Samuel and how you worked within it. Lord, you're at work within, within your people as well to fulfill your purposes. Lord, I thank you for that call on our lives. And God, I pray that we would submit to that. Lord, we thank you for all things. And I pray that in all that we do and all that we think and all that we say, we'd honor and glorify your precious name. And in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, and you're dismissed.